Yeah. Good morning. Come on. Who's excited this morning? Come, come on. I need you to press in. Come on. Come on in. Move in. Fill in the seats. We got, we got space now. All the kids are gone. So come on in. Make yourselves comfortable for a minute. Get your coffee and your roll and, and just make yourself at home. Amen. All right, I'd like to start with a quote. The quote this morning comes from the deepness of Forrest Gump. (laughs) In the movie he says, My mama always said, You gotta put the past behind you before you can move on. Come on, anybody ready this, this, this new year? I mean, really, are, are, we, are we ready this new year to put the past behind us? Listen, we've been through some stuff. We've been through the fire, amen. Some of us have been through hell and back. And I love the quote that says, if, you're in, if you find yourself in hell, keep going. Amen? Keep going. That's not where you want to stay. So if we're ready this year to kind of just move on, to have new beginnings, to forget the past and to press on, then let's get excited and get into God's Word this morning. Is that good? Amen. Well, last year, I want to talk to you this morning about allowing God to bring a message out of your mess. In a message titled, No Ordinary Family. Anybody like that show? (laughs) No ordinary family. Well, listen, last year around this time, we started preaching in the book of Genesis, remember? And we said, we're going to start in the beginning of the book of Genesis, and we're going to preach all the way through Genesis, just so that as a family, we can go through the book of Genesis and really learn and find out and get a, a real strong foundation for the church based on the Word of God. Amen? And so all last year, with the exception of like, you know, holidays and special events, you know, we preached through the entire book of Genesis. We left off last year in chapter 30. And so we're going to start the story in our walkthrough through Genesis, where we we left off where Jacob was going away to meet his wife, remember? And, and he meets Rachel, and he loves Rachel, and he agrees to work for Rachel, for, for, the, for Rachel's father, for seven years, just for free, just to have Rachel as his wife. And, and if you remember when the seven years were up, right, he, he, he told the father, all right, I'm ready, I'm ready for my wife, you know, get my wife. And so the father threw this big wedding feast, this big banquet, and make sure he got nice and lit and toasted and whatever, because at the end of that feast... Late at night, instead of giving Rachel, he, the father slipped in Leah. Ooh, que escándalo. And so, and so, um, so if you remember in the morning, he wakes up and, and, you know, with a hangover or something, I don't, I don't know, you know, what they did in those times, but, right, he wakes up and he sees that's, that's not Rachel, that's Leah. And, and so he's outraged and he, and he runs to the father and he says, you've deceived me. How could you deceive me? 
I, I worked for seven years for, for Rachel and you gave me Leah. And so the father made up some excuse. He said, well, we don't give away the, old, the younger daughter without, you know, the first the older daughter. And so I'll tell you what, work another seven years and you can have Rachel. That is some shady business, amen? And so you remember he, he agrees and so he spends the first wedding week with Leah and then he gets Rachel, the one that he loves. And now he has to work another seven years for Rachel, right? How many of you agree this is no ordinary family? This is a wild story. This is soap opera city right here. Amen? Wait till you're going to see the, the craziness that goes on in this story. Those of you that love the bochinche, you're going to love this story. All right? So now Jacob has two wives, and we're going to see the biggest display of baby mama drama that you have seen recorded in all of history. Each sister wants to have more children than the other, and, and each sister names the children according to where they are and how they're feeling and what they're dealing with. Crazy, right? You ready? Alright, so in Genesis 29, after the whole trick wedding night, he spends the wedding week with Leah, and then he gets Rachel. And so now it says, God sees that Jacob loves Rachel more than Leah. And so God opens up her womb while Rachel remains barren. Now, just a side note, this is so cool. I love this so much. It's such an awesome picture because it shows that God is involved in the way we feel. Did, did you get that? God cares about the things, that the, the way we're treated. He cares about the way we feel. He cares about the situations that we're in. Leah is no different from you and I and the way we feel sometimes, the way that we've been treated by others. I love this picture because God sees Leah and it matters to him. And it moves him to action. See, the way we feel, the way we're hurt, the way we're treated, God sees that. And, and we have to learn to trust that God will justify what He has to justify, that He'll write what He has to write. And what's so important is to understand that He sees and hears. And so uh, if, if somebody just came to hear this today, listen, the situation that you're in right now, it matters to God. Can you, can you receive that? The situation that you're in, it matters to God. And so if that's all you needed to hear, I'm sorry, you've got to stick through the rest of the message because the ushers are not going to let you leave. So God sees Leah, and bam, Leah starts having babies. And so here we get into the name game. And so she has um, um, Jacob's son number one, and she names him Reuben. Reuben means, behold, a son. Because she, she's hoping that having a son would have Jacob love her more. And bam, she has baby number two. And, and baby number two is named Simeon. And Simeon means hearing. She wants to declare to Jacob and, and, and let him know, look, God hears me. In hopes that that would, would bring Jacob to love her and to, to be with her more. And then bam, she has baby number three. And baby number three she names Levi. And Levi means attachment. See, Leah is still lives in hope that Jacob will love her and become attached to her through these sons. Now, now, side note, Jacob doesn't love Leah, and Jacob isn't attached to Leah, but he's sure sleeping with Leah a whole lot. I'm just saying. Right? Did anybody catch that? 
He he he's sure sleeping with Leah. He's sure running to Leah's hut a, a, a lot of times during during the week. Amen. Where are my single ladies at? Listen, just because he wants to sleep with you, are you listening? Doesn't mean he's going to love you. Doesn't mean he's going to be attached to you. Doesn't mean he's going to respect you or treat you any different. Listen, ladies, you should know better than that. You should do better than that. Wait for the one that God has for you. Wait. Hear me today. Stop playing that game. Respect yourself and the beauty and the intimacy that God has put in you. Amen? And wait. Tell somebody, wait. So reach over to every teenager in this building and tell them, wait. Let's move on. Jacob visits Leah again. And, and, and Leah has son number four. Only this time it's different. She names this son Judah. And Judah means praise. See, the, and the word says that, she says, this time I'm going to praise the Lord. See, apparently, Leah stops naming the children to reflect the pain and the longing in her heart long enough to focus on God, and and she praises Him with this name, child number four. And so, now by Genesis 30, Rachel is fed up. Uh, You can imagine, right? Leah has four kids now. Four sons. You don't understand. In that culture, to have a son is a huge blessing from God. To be barren is a curse. Girls are insignificant. Sad, but that's how, that's how it is in this culture, right? So imagine she is fed up. She got no babies. And even though she's the one that he loves, even though she's the beautiful one, like I, I picture Rachel every time she walks by Leah and catches herself in the mirror, just be like, OMG, I am so pretty. <laughs> you are a grenade. I am so pretty. Right? But, but, but the truth is, even though she's the pretty one, even though she's the beautiful one, she's jealous and she's envious and she's insecure. Because she's barren and her sister keeps popping these babies out. So listen, in her desperation, she does what we all do when we don't want to wait for God. She substitutes. Anybody been there? She substitutes. She gives Jacob her maidservant so that he can sleep with her so that she can have babies through her maidservant. Somebody say, twisted. And so Jacob, poor Jacob, he has to go sleep with the maidservant now. Bendito. And, and, and now the maidservant starts popping out kids. The first, the child number five is Dan. And, and Rachel names him Dan, which means judgment. She viewed this child as that God was judging and God is on her side. And then he, he pops out, she pops out another baby, and Rachel names him Naphtali, which means wrestle. Rachel is saying, I've wrestled with my sister and I'm prevailing now. Sister has four, and she's through the maidservant has two, but still a little twisted, right? So then Leah, at this point, stopped having children. And so she says, all right, I'll do what Rachel did. And so Leah gives her maidservant to Jacob. Jacob's busy, right? Let's not even go there. That's a whole other message. <laughs> 
But 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 Rachel, so so Rachel, um, Leah gives gives the maid servant, and bam, she starts popping out kids. And child number seven is called Gad, which means good fortune. She says because I've had good fortune. And then child number eight is called Asher, and Asher means happy. She says because women are gonna say they're gonna call me happy. So now Jacob has eight kids. And now Rachel and Lee, they have this argument about some mandrakes, and, and which is like a superstitious thing back then that they thought would, would, would make them fertile. And so she has an argument with, with Leah, and she barters a night with Jacob to get what she wants. So at this point, Rachel is controlling where uh, Jacob is going to sleep. Rachel is saying, tonight, aquí, mañana in, in the South Bronx. And tonight, aquí, uh, ahorita con Leah. Y ahora con el maid, y ahorita, you know. So she's controlling the situation right now. And so she agrees to, to, to let Jacob sleep with Leah. And, and Leah's been praying, and the word says, God, listen to Leah. And she starts having kids again. Now, in the middle of all this locura, in the middle of all this craziness... God listens. Isn't that encouraging to some of us here? You, you think, man, in the middle of my madness, in the middle of the insanity in my house, how can God hear me? Why would God pay attention to me? Why would God listen to me? But, but here we have in the scriptures that it says in the middle of all this, God listens. How many of you know, even when we're not doing right 100%, God listens. It, amen? Isn't that beautiful? Even when we don't get it all right, even when we're not, like, when we don't look exactly like we think we should look and we're not walking exactly how we think we should walk, and, and even in the middle of that, God still listens. And so she, she then has two more sons and a daughter, Leah. And so Jacob's number nine son is called Issachar, which means reward. She names him reward. She's back into the competition. She thinks God is rewarding her for giving her maid to Jacob. Twisted. So then the maid has child number ten. And so Jacob's tenth child is called Zebulun, which means dwelling. Again, she's still waiting and hoping that these sons are going to cause her husband to dwell with her. And so now, after these ten sons are born, Leah has a daughter. And Leah names the daughter Dinah, which is another form of the name Dan, which means judgment. And so she could be saying, look, God is now judging for me. Is this crazy? This is going back and forth inside one house, right? I mean, this is getting fail, right? This is pretty ugly. There's so much hurt and pain in this house. There's so much insecurity and jealousy. This is no ordinary family. And the sad thing, many of us have this type of craziness happening in our families. I mean, hopefully nobody's married to sisters, but... But there's... Anybody here, this, you, you didn't grow up in like the perfect family? Right? There's uh, like crazy drama in your family sometimes. Right? If you bring all the cousins together, you're scared. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, that one or two times that they get together for a funeral or a, or a, or a birthday or something, you don't know what's going to go down in the funeral home or, or in the house because there's some crazy nuts in the family. 
Right? So we all kind of, you know, we've had this, these experiences, right, where we come from these crazies. But I, I want you to consider Rachel for a minute. Put yourself in Rachel's position for a moment. She's seen 11 children born, and none of them are hers. She's been to 11 dedications, and none of them are hers. She's, she's been to 11 parties. She's, she's had to watch these kids grow up, and none of them were really hers. She's barren, which in her culture means she's cursed. Even though she's the Linda, she's pretty and she's loved. But she's cursed, she feels, right? And she's tried every trick that she could, and apparently she cries out to God because it says in, in the chapter there that God hearkens unto Rachel which means God hears her. So even though it doesn't tell us she cried out, if God hears her, that means she's cried out. Amen? And so Jacob, finally, she, her womb is open. And Jacob's 11th son is Joseph. And Joseph is going to be a special young man. Joseph is going to be the one that saves this whole family and keeps them together. We'll get into that as we get into, Gen- into Genesis. But Joseph means Jehovah adds. And so the name is a name and a prayer. She's naming one son and praying that God would add another. And later on, back in in Genesis like 35, she has her second child. Only this child, she dies during the delivery. And before she dies, she names him Ben-Oni, son of my sorrows. But Jacob renames him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And so now there we have the 12 sons of Jacob. And these will now form the 12 tribes of Israel. I, I know this might sound like a history lesson, but it's so important when we, when we get further in. I want you to kind of, oh, I remember. I know where this son of a gun came from, and I know how this... You know what I'm saying? It's good to just know this and and be able to put it all together. So these are going to be the 12 tribes of Israel because later on, Jacob is going to have an encounter with God and God's going to change his name to Israel. So these sons make up the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, who will agree with me? This is no ordinary family. Right? This wasn't the best of marriages. Amen? This wasn't the happiest of homes. Can you imagine the holidays at the home of Rachel and Leah? This wasn't the ideal situation. This isn't, probably isn't the family in the Word that we should model our families after. Anybody agree? But you know, the the more you think about that, have you ever noticed that there are no perfect families in the Scriptures? And that when, when I first got a hold of that, it bothered me. I said, God, how would I have, how do I have a, a not, how do you not give me a model to follow my life after? How do you not give me, you know, a family that I should model my family after? And, and it bothered me that there wasn't a perfect family in the Scripture. There is no perfect family. Every family, there were failures, shortcomings, sin patterns, baggage in every family that God presents to us through Scripture. You want to know why? I'm glad you asked. Probably because there's going to be failures and shortcomings 
and sin patterns and baggage in all of our families. And, and we get to learn from all of those that went before us how to break some of those things, how to deal with some of those things, how to come through some of those things. Amen? And, and we get to understand and see that God can still work out some pretty incredible things through us, and he has some really great plans for us. Amen? Is anybody encouraged? Is, is, listen, if, if your family is just a little bit better than Rachel and Leah's family, which I'm hoping, I mean, this is pretty out there, then, then, then be encouraged today. Say, you know what? We can make it. Amen? I thought our family had no hope, but, but we can make it. If God could do such incredible things in this family, surely God could do some incredible things in my family. Amen? Now, listen, just so you know, later on in Leviticus, God forbids this type of marriage. The marriage of sisters. So, so don't get it twisted. This isn't something that God likes or that God approves of. And we'll see that a lot throughout the Word. Just because God allows some things doesn't mean He approves them. You, you with me? It doesn't mean that it doesn't matter to Him either. You want a name for that? That's grace. Listen, grace allows God to go beyond where most of us in all of our goodness would stop. See, even in the midst of all this dysfunction... God is working. Even in the midst, in the middle of all this wickedness, God was arranging things. Even in the midst of all these bad decisions and poor choices, God is putting certain things in order. Even in the center of all that doesn't seem right, all our mistakes, all our shortcomings, our poor choices, our wrong decisions, our failure, when we call out to God, He hears. Where most of us would draw the line, where most of us would write people off, God goes in and dwells and does something incredible. See, those that who, who we would stand in judgment of, God paid the ultimate price for. And in, in, in Jesus says in Mark 2.17, I came not for the righteous, I came for the sinners. It's not the well that need a physician, it's the sick. Amen? So let's, let's watch how God works. Let's consider Leah for a minute. I mean, we, we can only imagine she's maybe nothing much to look at. Right? And, and, and she's, she's, um, her father had to trick somebody into marrying her. How, how many ladies would like to live with that? Her father had to trick somebody into sleeping with her. So, I mean, she can't, how many know she doesn't have the highest self-esteem in the book, right? And, and she's neglected by Jacob, she's despised by Rachel, and yet God chose her. To fulfill his awesome plan. The, the two greatest tribes came from Leah, not Rachel. Everybody say goodbye to the Daily News. I don't know why I should take pictures. Anyway. Amen. Thank you for coming. The two greatest tribes came from Leah and not from Rachel. 
See, the, the, the tribe of Levi was the priestly tribe. So all of the high priests came from the tribe of Levi. And the, the, the tribe of Judah was the royal tribe, which means all of the kings came from the tribe of Judah, including the king of kings, the Messiah, came from the tribe of Judah, which was a son of Leah, not Rachel. Amen? Because even though she was the uglier sister, even though she was the neglected one, even though she was the despised one, at some points in her life, she took her eyes off of the dysfunction that she was living in, and she learned how to look to the Lord and learned how to praise Him. And it was through the Son, catch this, that she called the praise that Jesus came. So Jesus proceeds from praise. Watch, watch this. This this is one of those pictures that God hides in the scriptures for, for, for those that are seeking to find. Amen? This is not the stuff on bumper stickers or t-shirts. This is the stuff that God hides so that we can uncover and go, wow. Watch this. The deliverer came from the tribe of Judah, meaning deliverance comes from praise. Oh, come on, you're not getting it. The, the healer came from the tribe of Judah, meaning healing comes through praise. Forgiveness came through the tribe of Judah, meaning forgiveness comes through praise. The Savior came from the tribe of Judah, meaning our salvation is in who we praise. Amen? Come on, you gotta, you got to grab this, man. Now, now watch how God works. Although we never really hear of Rachel seeking after God, we never really see Rachel trusting God or praying, she must have cried out. She must have prayed because tucked away in an obscure location in Genesis 30, verse 22, there's this little scripture there that says, Then God remembered Rachel and listened to her and opened her womb, and she had the last two sons. Now, now, side note, we've seen this two other times in Genesis. The, the first time it was after the flood, everyone was, had been wiped out, and only those who were in the ark were safe and alive. And, and it says, and God remembered Noah, and he caused the wind to blow back the waters so that they can get off of the ark. And then the second time we saw it when was God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And it says, and God remembered Abraham and he brought Lot out of the catastrophe. And so, when, you know, to us, when, when, whenever we think remembered, we think forgot, right? Like if you remembered something, it probably means you forgot something. But, but let's go a little deeper than that. The definition of remember is actually to bring to mind To be mindful of. So we're not saying God forgot and then, oh, I forgot. This, you know, Noah's in the ark still and there's no land. Oops, my bad. Sorry, Noah. No, it says, it says, and God was mindful of Noah. It means God had Noah on his mind. And so he pulled back the water so that Noah could have land again. It it means God was mindful of Abraham. And so he saved his nephew Lot 
from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so it's, it, it, it means, so now God was mindful of Rachel. He adds Rachel to this list of incredible men. Now, now, now listen, Noah, I understand. Noah was the, the only one righteous at this time. And Abraham, I understand, man, because Abraham stepped out in faith even when he didn't know or see anything. He just walked out in faith. But why would God add someone like Rachel who's like, oh my God, I'm so pretty. Like, like where does she fit in with, with Noah and Abraham? How does she get, get added to that list? Well, if I had to give you my personal opinion... It's because God doesn't see people the way that we see people. Yeah, somebody say, thank you, Lord. See, we, we see people and we put them in all sorts of classes. We put them in categories that they don't belong in. Amen? How many of you know, some of you got to take me out that category that you put me in. And, and I mean that in sincerity and humbleness. I'm not any better than anybody and I don't, I don't, Amen? You clapped a little too quick. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, we, but, but we say, you know, we, we determine like these people are good and these people are bad. These people are righteous and these people are carnal. We say these are Christian and these are worldly. Right? We put people in these, in these categories and, and the truth is God hears the cries of a man or a woman and, and he doesn't see that. He, he looks at the heart of someone that's crying out to him for help. He, he looks at some thug in the back that's just asking for some wisdom and some direction. He, he looks at someone that's just looking for guidance. And, and God doesn't put them in any class system. God doesn't, doesn't judge them that way and, and separate them that way. It, it, it says his heart is moved and I believe instantly God remembers the promises that He has for us. And instantly, when we call out to God, God is mindful. He has us on His mind. I love that song, right, that we, that we sing like that. I'm on His mind. I'm always on His mind. And so, He's mindful of the promises that He has for us. And, and I, I want you to understand that God is mindful of you and I, no matter who we are and no matter what we've done and where we've come from. And, and some of you need to understand that today. So whether the one praying is the only righteous man left in the world, or she's just a woman who's had a really rough time at life, and, and she's even wants to die, she told Jacob in chapter 30, give me children or I'll die. She's contemplating suicide maybe. She's just saying, God, give me children or I will die. And, and Jacob answers his back, and I, I can't control that. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a matter for God. But, but she's desperate. So he, either, whether it's a man righteous like that, or, or just a woman that cries out to God, when, when, when she cries out to God, she puts herself at the same level of a man like Noah and a man like Abraham. I, I like to call it the, the whosoever level. Worship team, you guys, you guys can come up. I love the whosoever scriptures in the Bible. Whosoever you can relate with through this passage, wherever you're, you are today, listen, there is one single message for each and every one of us. 
Because none of us here come from ordinary families. Right? As those serving communion, if you guys would come also and just stand here at the front. Family, I want you to hear these scriptures and just respond to them. Wherever you may be today, however, uh, if, 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 if maybe you saw yourself in that family, you saw yourself and you saw your own insecurities and your own deals and, and however you're feeling and if any of this just kind of applies to you in any way, which I believe it, it touches each and every one of us, I want you to just respond to these scriptures. And you don't have to wait to the end. You can start to come on the very first one. You guys can just stand across the front here. Here here they are. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. John 7, 37. Whosoever Believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 You guys can come and, and, and respond and take communion. We, we wanted to end uh, on Wednesday night with communion and end our fast with that, and so we, we felt we needed to do it today. But listen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10.13 Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. John 11.26 Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Forgiveness of sins. Acts 10.43 Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God will dwell in Him and He in God. 1 John 4, 15 Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Romans 5.18 Would you just come and partake and as we worship together, take communion and believe.